out of kickoffs not till 3.30. We could add another service and still be okay, you know? <laughs> oh, my. Jesus told us, the scripture tells us, the man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. I think we can get a little caught up in our traditions and habits and, you know, we, we know church, right? I mean, we know. We come in, we have greetings, we have announcements, we have generosity, we have music, we have worship. We might have some prophetic, we might have some gifts of the Spirit. We might have ministry time, body life with one another. We might do that. And then, of course, the message, the message, the message. When we get to the message, this is really the one time that we truly get a chance to receive. Think about it. We do receive things in worship. We receive prophetic words. We receive love from one another. We receive ministry from one another. But I'm telling you, this is the critical point. Is when the word of the Lord is going to come. When you think about the manna that was produced, it was heaven's food, wasn't it? From God every single day. For over two million people. That God poured out the manna the food, the provision. But it came, but it would not go inside of them by itself. They had a responsibility. They had a responsibility to go and gather it and receive it. So I think sometimes in our churches and as believers, and I'm as guilty as anybody, you get in this mode of, oh, I'm going to hear the message today. I'm going to be a hearer. I'm going to hear the message. But may we let this be our more of our prayer and our mindset and our disposition of I'm going to go and not just hear. I'm going to receive. There is a difference. People can hear this message and still not receive. As a pastor for a number of years, I can tell you sometimes I can, I can feel it, sense it from this pulpit or this platform to where you are. Sometimes I feel it's open and there's reception. And sometimes I can feel like there's a wall. Not, not to the person's doing, not anybody's fault. But sometimes <clears throat> this is also an issue of, of prayer in my prayer time and my prep time is that I pray there will be no walls, no barriers between the word of the Lord and your heart. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open with uh, just prayer right now and let's just pray with me, would you? Open your heart. Lord, I even pray for myself as the messenger, and I pray for the receiver. I pray for the hearers. 
Lord, that we will be people who will gather and we will receive. We will bring it in and we will receive what you would say to us. We would not rule it out. We would not assume that we already know it. We've already received that and we don't need it. Lord, I pray that you will give us a fresh revelation. Fresh, new revelation, God, of your person in us. Lord, we are speaking of your identity in us. Your person in us, on us, that was created even in the very beginning and now through you, Jesus, we become, we are as you are. But Lord, I pray that the word of the Lord will go in and bring revelation and transformation. May we not be the same. May we receive today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Today, are, of course, all of our identity, as you know, as seasoned believers, all of our identity is found in the person of Jesus and our relationship with him. And that we have the image of God upon us and in us. And with that, though, even that, what does that mean? Like if you tell somebody, I, I, my identity is in Christ. And if they don't know anything about that, they might say, well, so what? What does that mean? Well, there's many facets to this that I am, my identity is in Christ. And we're going to talk about this today. The title of the message is, In Christ we are fully and totally accepted. I am accepted. I am not rejected. And if we human beings ever understand anything, it's about rejection. Now, this, I'm, I do not plan on making this message about rejection. But at the same time, to understand that we're fully accepted, it dispels and disarms every pain and hurt and wound that you would have from being rejected. Because let's face it, we all want that, we all have this sense of wanting to belong, wanting to connect, wanting to be accepted and not rejected. We've all had the experience of looking for a job. Looking for a job and you are, what are you doing? You're framing your resume. You're framing your resume to look attractive enough that they will, oh, hire you? No but accept you because a hired person is an accepted person. And boy, how many times rejection after rejection after rejection, some looking for jobs for a couple of years, all because pile on one rejection after another. And I'm telling you that, boy, if you don't know who you are in Jesus, that we don't need our validation through that experience, that we get all our validation through the love and the acceptance of God through our, the person of Jesus. 
Colossians 3, chapter 10, or chapter 3, verse 10, says this. Each of you is now a new person. You are becoming more and more like your creator. And you will understand him better. It doesn't matter if you're a Greek or a Jew or circumcised or not or whatever you are, educated or uneducated, rich or poor, whatever color you are, whatever background you came from, whether you were an orphan or you weren't an orphan, whether you were poor, it doesn't matter. Whatever you were, you may even have been a barbarian, he said, (laughs) a barbarian, a Scythian, and you may be a slave or a free person, yet Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Ephesians, of course, is loaded in chapter one. I'll read a little bit of it. It won't all, it's not on the slide. How blessed is God? How blessed. And what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us. He takes us to the high places of blessing in him. This is acceptance, folks. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. And he had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. And I love the message. It it puts this in here. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. So yes, I I think, I I don't know what your childhood was like. I know a lot about what my childhood was like. And I think we do grow up with this sense of wanting to be accepted. Grow up with wanting to matter. Do I really matter? A fear of unacceptance. A fear that I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not wanted enough. I'm left out. I'm looked over. I'm ignored. I'm not listened to. And yet, I have a a need. I have a need to be heard. I have a need to be understood. I have a need to be loved. And I do have a need to be accepted. I understand why we might be reluctant to admit that, but that's the truth. Because we're humans and we're frail and we're, you know, we're fractured. We are fractured, broken from sin. Sin has done that to us because it separated us from God. We were accepted and then we were rejected, even by God Himself. That's the reality of that. God, in his justice, he had to. A holy God, he could no longer accept and mix with something sin. But he did fix it, didn't he? He fixed it 
with his son Jesus Christ. To say once accepted, then rejected, and then fully accepted again, but for all time. Never again. Never again to be rejected, but you're fully accepted. If we were to admit it weeks ago, you know what? The opinions of others have mattered to us. We have been spoken in a, at maybe in a young, formidable, vulnerable time in our younger years, formed and shaped by the words spoken to us. And they either confirm or they condemn. Psychologists, they tell us that one of the most powerful forces in humanity is our need for acceptance. I didn't get that in the Bible. That's, not coming, that's coming from the, the experts. That they understand that the, the greatest need of humanity is this thing for acceptance. Not only do we need it, but we crave it. We all crave it. And how do you know that that is so strong, so dominant, so primary in our, in our psyche and in our heart, in our needs? The psychologists tell us it's the most powerful. In fact, that force alone, this force alone of a need for acceptance is so strong that it keeps us even in relationships that will ultimately destroy us. Do you ever wonder why people are in relationships that you know are unhealthy and destructive? And you wonder why they don't just leave? Why they don't just pull away? There is a force, there is a drive coming from within them that they, they that appetite and that hunger is they want that acceptance so bad. They will stay in that relationship for the sake of their pursuit for acceptance. That's what it is. So this fills a big thing, doesn't it? This idea. Every human being needs and wants acceptance. Let me tell you a little more. There was a study at Harvard University. They found that relationships with acceptance are the secret to a happy and healthy life. Research has also shown about, this is maybe a little bit relatively recent, but They've discovered that babies, babies, newborns, they need that human touch. They need that embrace. They need that touch and that cuddling there. That they, for, for their life to even be preserved, if they're deprived of a loving, accepting relationship, even when all of their biological needs are met, they could still not survive. There's something about it that's so powerful. 
You know what else happens when people don't feel accepted? I think we learned a little bit of this during the pandemic. Because what happens is people tend to isolate. They, they, they isolate. Social isolation is something we've all experienced, of course. A recent study determined that social isolation and loneliness significantly increased the person's risk of premature death. You know, I know some people have, have said, you know, what's the secret to living to be 100? And we, they're, they're doing studies with these, uh, whatever they call them, you know, those guys that live 100 years. And they try to figure out all of the particulars of their secret to that. And I'll tell you, somewhere in the mix is they have this healthy relationships, connection that keeps them alive. <laughs> all of that said, there's only one true and pure place, only one, where full acceptance is found. And of course, it's in Jesus, isn't it? Jesus was provided for that. Remember I talked to you about receiving like the word of God. Even though we want it and we pursue it and we know deep inside we need to have it, and yes, it's in, it's in Jesus, but at the same time, it's not enough to know that it's in Jesus. You may know it's in Jesus, and for some reason, this, you have this incapacity, this inability, maybe to believe it in your head, but you haven't fully received his acceptance. This is another one of those deals. Knowledge is not enough. Have you experienced, have you had a, this encounter with the Spirit of God, with the person of Jesus, the person of the Holy Spirit, to where you will actually receive and embrace his acceptance once and for all? And I say once and for all, that doesn't mean we just, it doesn't mean once. We have to keep, when you're, when you're hitting those emotions of rejection, you have to go back to the cross, back to the cross, and know that he was, he's the one that receives you as you are, no matter what. People will reject you but they're only acting out of their own insecurities and rejections that they've experienced. I've been rejected, now I get to reject you. But how do we embrace his acceptance? I'm going to give you some talking points for you, for you to talk about later. <laughs> One is understand and fully embrace the miracle of our creation. We talked a lot about that last week, but let's just recall this for a moment. Embrace the miracle of our creation. Now, we looked at Genesis 1, but there is also, of course, the famous revelation that David had. And boy, believe me, David, 
David needed to know that he wasn't rejected. You know it in Psalm 51. You know David knew he committed such gross, gross sins. Not sin, sins. The big ones, the gross ones, the terrible ones, the public ones. That David knew the cry of his heart needed to be, God, do not cast me away from your presence. Don't reject me. You have accepted me. I was an, David was an appointment of God to be a king of Israel. To be a minstrel, to be a builder of the house of God. The tabernacle of God for the glory of the Lord. To be a worship center for all the world. David. And he disqualified himself. Yes, he did. He disqualified himself for the full plan of God that would have been had he not sinned. But David did some damage control. Oh, he did. He got on his face before God. He fully poured himself out, humbled himself, and said, cast me not away from your presence. God, you accepted me. Now I'm rejected. But don't cast me off. Don't reject me. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. By the way, he's the only king of Israel that I know of that prayed that way. And even mentions the Holy Spirit. Because to lose the Holy Spirit, wow. So let's remember this. Fully embrace the miracle of your creation. Your creation, of course, was in the womb. Remember, we are a work of God himself. Yes, you are. Psalm 139 started off like this. In my beginning, in my beginning, I am well planned and greatly loved. Let me read a little bit of Psalm 139. You are the one who put me together inside my mother's body, and I praise you because of the wonderful way you created me, skillfully wrought. Everything you do is marvelous, skillfully and wonderfully made. Of this I have no doubt. Nothing about me is hidden from you. I was secretly woven together deep in the earth below, but with your eyes you saw my body being formed. Even before I was born, you were written in your book, everything I would do. I mean, think about it. God loves you like, like an artist loves his work. Like he, he just loves his work that he's created there. You are God's idea. And he is shaping you and molding you 
You are in his image, but he is also working on you, shaping on you to become like him in all of its fullness. And that, that can't happen, though, if we don't embrace it. You realize that? God can't work on you unless you fully embrace. Uh, Lord, I am. I am who you say I am. I mean, good old brother Joel Osteen loves to raise the Bible and says, this is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I am who he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. By the way, some of you old timers would know that's not original with Joe. His daddy did that. And he's carried that on, which is great. And, you know, I was reluctant to bring this illustration up. I had it in some of my older messages along this line. And, but then I thought, well, the age of this congregation right here, yeah, you might know this. You remember the movie Hook? Yes? Yes, okay. Peter Pan. We know Peter Pan, right? The guy who never wanted to grow up. He's going to stay a kid all his life. In the movie Hook, Peter grows old. Yes, he does. He grows old and he grows so old he's unrecognizable. The boys there, they shouted their disdain and said, No, no, this is not Peter. You remember that scene? This is not Peter. And then one of the smallest boys, they come, they take him by the hand and he pulls him down to his level. He places his hands on his face and proceeded to move his skin around, reshaping his face. He looks into Peter's eyes and says, there you are, Peter. There you are. God is doing that with us. He's found you. He's got his eyes on you. He's put his hands on you. He's shaping you. And every time he will look into your eye and he'll say, there you are. You're mine. You're in my image. I see you. In that Christ, in Christ, you're completely accepted. Look at this statement. I think it's a great statement. It doesn't come from me. It says, the Lord's percept, percept, ah, Lord's, I spelled it wrong. Perception of you, it should be, did not begin at the cross. Your perception of him began at the cross. The Lord's perception of you, we know, we heard it last week. It's in Genesis. In fact, even before the foundation of the earth, God saw you. His perception of you didn't begin at the cross. But your perception of him now, if you want to know, you want to see him and you, it begins at the cross. 
Secondly, we revel in the mystery. This is how we embrace our identity. We revel in the mystery that Jesus chose us. This one's huge. I think this one's huge. This one is my, my favorite. It is. I'll just tell you, it's my favorite. This is the one I have to keep going back to. I didn't choose him. I didn't choose him. Well, yeah, okay. Yes, I had to make a choice. And I, but what he's saying is simply, I loved you before you loved me. I loved you. I first loved you. I first chose you. Ephesians 1, before the world was created, God had Christ choose us to live with him and to be his holy and innocent and loving people. God was kind and he decided that Christ would choose us to be God's own adopted children. And of course, John 15, 16 Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. So the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Now, why would he do that? Because you're fully accepted. Thirdly, we attempt to grasp, hopefully we will begin to grasp how costly it was for Jesus to rescue us. To be honest with you, I don't know if we'll fully grasp this, grab a hold of this. The full cost. I know every communion we commemorate the death of Jesus. Every Easter, but every Easter we preach resurrection. But you know that's the gospel in its fullness every day of our lives. The full cost that Jesus gave for us. Ephesians 1, 7 says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood, with the blood of his Son, and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. In the New King James, Ephesians 1, 6, you'll see it there. It was says there that he made us, he actually uses this word, he made us accepted. That's what it says. He made us accepted in the beloved through the blood of Jesus. We'll read Romans 5:10. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son. While we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Our acceptance comes out of that place that we were not just separated from God, we were enemies of God. The depth of that, that we were the enemies of God, and yet he took us, accepts us, so why, am I, why are we saying all this, you know, oh, I'm accepted, I'm accepted? Because we wage warfare with this word. We wage warfare with this truth. Because this word comes under attack all the time. 
The enemy loves, he has this in his arsenal all the time. That you're no longer accepted. You disqualified yourself. You nullified yourself. You took yourself out. He can't love you. He can't love you anymore. You can't be in the same place. And I'm telling you, that's when you have to turn it around and keep warring with the word of the Lord. I am accepted. This is my identity. This is not just something that God did once, you know. No, this is who I am. I'm an accepted one in God, in Christ Jesus. Nothing can reverse that. I know, that messes with people's theology. I know there's voices out there. I know about the Calvinist and the Arminianist and all of that. You know, one says you'll always be saved no matter what. The other one says you can lose your salvation. And we can get caught up in that. But let's, let's look at this today. Right here, right now. You, for us to fully embrace, fully embrace that you are accepted in Christ. It's not reversible. I hope you can believe that. I hope you can believe that. Because that's the only kind of war that wins. That's the only kind of truth that prevails. Is your full, all in to this. I've made mistakes. I've messed up. I've, got, I've done so many things or thought so many things. You don't know what's going on in my head. God does. And he still accepts you. Why? Because of your faith that you took in the, in the death of his son. That you believe. Fourthly, we live from this is an important one. Important statement. If you're not taking notes, take notes now. Write this down. We live from acceptance, not for acceptance. I'll say it again. We live from, out of, from, out of, in response to, however you want to put it. We live as if we are fully accepted. That's our life. We demonstrate that. I'm accepted. Believe me, if you know you're fully accepted, your life looks different. If I have this person over here that I am living out of acceptance, I'm fully free. I'm fully forgiven. I'm fully loved. I'm fully the son I'm fully the daughter. My life is a free life. A glorious life. Problems, yes. Challenges, yes. But that understanding and that will carry me through it all. But if I'm over here, 
Imagine this person. They are in bondage. They are constantly in turmoil. Why? Because they are living for acceptance. I'm tr trying to get it. And it is the most futile, vain pursuit that one will ever try. And there's thousands of them out there. Thousands. So say, you know, say that to yourself. Wow, I'm, my life is a life that's lived out of my acceptance. I'm not living for it. I'm not a slave to it. Five, you belong. You belong. You belong. You're part of God's family. You've been chosen. You've been selected. You belong. You're a part of God's family. John said, see how very much our Father loves us? For he calls us his children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world, they don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children. But he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we shall see him as he really is. You're accepted. I'm accepted. May that be your battle cry when you're going through something, again, that challenges you to reject or condemn Remind the devil who you are. That's okay. You can remind him who you are. But first you have to remind yourself who you are. Let's go to prayer. I actually have a prayer I want to pray. And I may not read it word for word. Let's let this prayer come out of our heart. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands. I know we're all mature here and older, and, but I don't care what age you are, how long you've been a Christian. I have to come back to the cross with this one. Remind myself, remind the devil who I am. Let me pray this. Let's pray. Our Father, our Heavenly Father, our good, good Father. Lord, we are praying. I am praying that you would open my eyes. Open my eyes that I may know 
and receive and receive more. I've received a lot, but Lord, receive even more your unconditional love to receive even more of your acceptance in my life. Right now, I renounce the lies of Satan. I renounce the lies of Satan that says your love and it insists that I earn your love and approval. I renounce that lie that says I have to earn your love and your approval. Lord, we're choosing to believe that we are fully accepted in you. I ask for your grace to sustain me, keep me. When I face every situation of rejection, that you would enable me, empower me to stand against the pressures that tempt me to compromise. In Jesus' name, captivate every thought of our minds. Lord, break every stronghold. Stronghold of a root of rejection. A disposition that says I'm rejected. Break every stronghold in the minds of your people. Let truth prevail. Let truth set us free. May we live a life of freedom. Freedom in the Holy Spirit. Fully accepted. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Gateway Sermon Podcast at our Gateway City Church, Clovis Campus. We'll be releasing a new episode every week, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out. Gateway City Church is one church that meets in multiple cities. To find us or to learn more, visit mygatewaycity.church. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you right here next week.